Welcome to Is This Real Life? A Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives and the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. I hope you had a wonderful week. You know, we thought that we were wrapping up Vanderpump Rules last week when the reunion was finished, but they had a Secrets Revealed episode and it kind of got everyone riled up all over again. And then we ended the New Jersey reunion and people are still very, very riled up about that. And I feel like both of these shows need sort of the Beverly Hills treatment. Like we need to take a minute, we need to take some deep breaths, we need some space from these franchises. And hopefully, as they begin to film again, we won't get leaks. Because you know what, like, let them film, let them go through their stuff. And Hopefully, we can just have some space and forget how toxic everything was so that when filming is done and we have a trailer and we have a season premiere date for the next season of these shows, we are ready. We are, you know, revitalized. <laughs> At least that's what that's what I'm hoping. I really feel like the Real Housewives of New Jersey has become so toxic. And I think a huge part of it is because the cast has these weird relationships with people on social media. There are these social media accounts that are claiming to have all of this intel. And I believe some of them are getting fed intel from people on the cast or production or what have you. And I just, everyone needs to shut their goddamn mouth. Like, this is insane. It's becoming crazy. People are getting death threats or alleged death threats. People are being contacted at work. John Fuda's ex is being contacted in the prison system, allegedly, all this allegedly. Like, this stuff is not okay, and it all needs to calm down. And I really hope those of us who watch these shows for fun can remind everyone around us that the purpose of these shows is entertainment and to enjoy watching it. And I feel like the joy has been sucked out if you spend just one millisecond on social media following the Real Housewives of New Jersey hashtag. So yeah, I really hope hope things calm down. Um, as far as the Real Housewives of Atlanta go. I actually enjoyed this week's episode. I haven't really been enjoying the season. I feel like the unseen footage from a few years ago was helping to get me to understand at least what's going on. And, you know, <laughs> I feel like Candy has this Michelle Obama thing where she's like, you know, when they go though, I go hi. Well, guys, Candy. Motherfucking Burris is tired. She is tired of going high, okay? <laughs> she has had it. And you can see in the footage from all these years before how kind she has been towards Marlo. And Marlo, I believe, is just so jealous of Candy and it feels like Candy, 
gets to dictate how things go on the show. She's kind of the alpha. If she gives someone a look, they kind of get quiet. She doesn't like that. She thinks Candy doesn't share certain parts of her lives, whatever it is. She has issues with Candy. And now she's bringing up the fact that there was a shooting in Candy's restaurant to like bring it back to her and the fact that her nephew unfortunately died as a result of gun violence and also at one point happened to work in Candy's restaurant. And she's trying to tie these things together as if there's a problem in Candy's businesses and Candy invites this kind of violence into her businesses or something like that. It's absolutely insane. I can't tell if Marlo actually believes this or is just decided this is going to be like her way to take Candy down. But I don't think it's working and it's very exhausting. And, you know, Marlo is one of those people that like you understand why she behaves the way that she does, because she's been so transparent with us about her past and about so much abandonment that she has experienced and so much trauma that she has experienced that she has then also inflicted on other people. But it's just like, ugh, when is enough enough? And like, are are you learning? Are you actually getting better? And I don't know. Maybe Marlo is someone that I enjoyed more in small doses, like when she was a friend of, because I am certainly not enjoying how she's been as a housewife. Now, what I really enjoyed seeing this um, week's episode was Sheree as a Gigi, a gorgeous grandmother. (laughs) Um, Her son Cairo had a baby with his girlfriend, and she wasn't sure that her son was ready to be a father. But after watching you know, him be there uh, in the middle of the night and burping the kid and feeding the kid and, you know, rocking the child back to sleep. She feels like he's really hands on and she's reflecting on the fact that she didn't have that from her partner and how so many people don't have that. And it just makes me sad for Sheree because I feel like she still deep down doesn't believe she deserves someone who would be up at night with her with the baby. I know she's not having another baby and all that stuff, but I feel like she never thought it was an option, right? Like she had to settle for less. And I feel like dating Martel, she is settling for less. And I just, I don't want less for Sheree. <laughs> okay, guys, we got to talk Summer House, Martha's Vineyard. Run, don't walk if you have not watched this show. It is slowly becoming my favorite show that's on Bravo right now. I find it so funny, many times unintentionally funny, but this week was, you know, (laughs) no exception. Um, This this group of people is like so chaotic. There's some like extremely chaotic characters that are on and there's so much happening. And then to have Bria's boyfriend, Simon, all the way from Germany, just like come right in the middle of this chaos and just be so calm and so easygoing and so the opposite of who she is is it's just I don't know everything about Simon has made me laugh every scene he's in makes me laugh I don't I don't know what it is I find him just to be such a funny character on this show 
Um, there's also so many interesting uh, issues being explored about what it means to be married, what it means to be in a relationship, um, decisions about being in a relationship versus being single. You know, Jasmine has opened up about how it's been hard for her to navigate life as a married woman with her single friends. And you know, I think to most of us watching, we feel like she has isolated herself because she thinks that who she was before she got married is a different person. And now that she's married, she has to meet some sort of standards or expectations. And we're starting to understand why she feels that way because we're watching her husband, Silas, who is telling her what she should wear and criticizing her for burning his breakfast and for sleeping in. And just like all of these absolutely ridiculous, misogynistic things. Guys, like... I understand she feels like I need to meet his expectations, but my girlfriends are judging me. And, you know, they they are judging her because they're like, this person who you are married is not the person that we know and that we've known for so many years. And, you know, Jordan is such a like breath of fresh air, such a reasonable, calm like smart woman and she is calling out Jasmine for projecting Jasmine's insecurities onto Jordan. Jordan is not insecure about being single. And and she's like, why do you want this for me so bad? Why am I not enough? And she's just described so many ways that I've wanted to say things to friends or family who've said to me like, you know, we really want you to settle down with someone. It's like, okay, yes, I I do too. And I think it will happen. But you know what? Am I not enough is, is sometimes what I want to say back. Um, and I just appreciated her articulating that. And uh, what else? Uh, Shanice is an absolute menace. <laughs> just the fact that she would get naked in front of other people's partners is, you know, is that is a decision, right? That is a like, she is trying to be an agent of chaos and doing it after being yelled at again the next day. Like, she's definitely shaking things up. Preston has ended up being the Greek chorus, voice of reason. I find him so funny, but I have a feeling if he were to, we were to get a season two, that maybe he wouldn't be as much of the voice of reason if he got more involved in the drama, which I can see happening in a future season. But I'm absolutely loving, loving, loving this show. You all should watch it. I'm also loving The Real Housewives of Orange County, which I get to talk to Dan James about. I do want to have a slight disclaimer on our conversation. We talk a bit about Jen, the new housewife who has been a foster mother and an adopted mother. And um, we, but me in particular, have some rather harsh judgments of her. So uh, just wanted to put that out there. If people disagree with me, that's totally fine. Very open to hearing your point of views. Um, I'm sure that she means well and that she is creating a loving home home for her adopted child and for the children that she has fostered. There were just some things that she said when we were being introduced to her that really, really rubbed me the wrong way. 
and I thought were a little bit of red flags. And I actually had a conversation today when I was at a baseball game with a foster, a parent who fosters, who when I we were talking about this, um, agreed with me. So <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad this didn't just come out of nowhere that people with um, lived experience with the foster system, you know, uh, also thought some of the things she said were a little bit off. And finally, some really unfortunate news out of Southern Charm. Taylor Ann Green, who is Shep's ex, who has become a main cast member, unfortunately lost her brother, um, I think, last week. You know, this is like the second death of a brother uh, of a cast member just in the last, I don't know, like four months. Um, Olivia Flowers lost her brother, Connor, you know, back in February. This is, um, it's just so heartbreaking. And I don't know, I really, it'll be interesting to see how they cover grief and loss of siblings on this next season of Southern Charm. We know they're not filming right now, but I'm sure this will come up at the the reunion. And I'm just um, sending my love to them and their families. I know Taylor has a sister who has been going through cancer treatment as well. So her family has really had a, a lot going on. And um, I send my love. I send my love to them. Um, and then finally, uh, before we get to my conversation with Dan, I wanted to mention that this coming Tuesday is World Refugee Day, June 20th. Um, for those of you who've been listening for a while, you know that my father uh, is a refugee. He came from the Soviet Union to the United States in 1979 with support of an organization called HIAS. HIAS reaches refugees now currently in 20 countries with food, shelter, education. Um, they support asylum seekers, uh, letting them know what their legal rights are, and they run support groups for survivors of trauma and violence. They also help um, people who are coming to the United States and coming to other countries um, get settled. Uh, so people like my dad, when he showed up here, Highest was the organization that helped him get a job, helped him have an apartment, all of these things. And I like to pay it forward. And every World Refugee Day, I make a donation in honor of my father, who, you know, luckily is still with us. And um, I know he appreciates it. And so just wanted to share that with everyone in case you are interested. I'll put the link to donate to Highest in the show notes. Um, right now, they are fundraising, especially to have the ability to expand mental health and psychosocial support for um, children and families that have uh, experienced trauma and war, including the current war in Ukraine. And we all know how important it is to have mental health and psychosocial support. So I encourage you to join me in donating. Um, as always, if you guys enjoy this podcast, go ahead, give it a five-star rating and leave a kind review. It helps me get um, good guests. And I, I've i really enjoyed the people I've been speaking with lately. And I hope you have as well. If you have any constructive criticism or just want to share your thoughts on something, you can reach out to me in my DMs at Mandy Slutsker on Instagram. All right, we'll take a quick break and back with Dan James. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. 
Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Hi, everyone. I am here with Dan James. You guys probably remember him from some of our extremely epic episodes that we've had in the past. He is my favorite favorite academic to talk about housewives with. He's got a PhD in media studies. He's also a stand-up comedian with a new album to plug. And he has a cat named Sheena. And so Sheena is behind him as Stasi the dog is behind me as we prepare to discuss this week in Bravo. How are you doing, Dan? Hi, thank you so much for having me back. I'm good. Sheena is loafing away. She's looking very cute. I am uh, psychologically recovering from the end of Vanderpump Rules. Uh, I was hosting a watch party that was just um, mentally intense for a month. So, yeah, yeah, I am in a space of, like, calm post-VPR, and I would just quite like our bravo celebrities to just not have any scandals for a bit, because I need a break. Need a break. It was a lot. Did you happen to catch the Secrets Revealed episode this week? No, no because I saw it and I was like, I don't think I can take any more secrets. <laughs> like, know. I've had enough. It's, yeah, it was amazing. Don't get me wrong, amazing television, but I was like, I just know. I My mental state for like four weeks, I have like a baseline level of extreme anxiety. And it took me a long time to realize, I'm like, oh, maybe you just feel nervous all the time because you're literally watching people's lives implode slowly over a month. <laughs> I know. I'm. It's, you know, it's hard to know what's causing anxiety these days, right? Is yeah. it like the wildfires and not being able to breathe when you walk outside? Is it, you know... Sorry about that, by the way, up in Canada. <laughs> You know, is it just like the American um, 2024 presidential election that is like furiously underway despite it being still so far away? It's exhausting. Oh, I wish we had the rules like Canada. We had had what? Rules? Yeah. So we like you only can campaign for six weeks and then everyone has to make a decision. (laughs) It does make everything a lot more manageable because you just won't register the election is like happening. And then suddenly you'll be like, surprise, you have like three weeks. (laughs) Great. I would live for that. Yeah. (laughs) What else do you think is causing our anxiety? I mean, so what do we have? We do have climate breakdown. We have a global surge in the far right. And we have um, bartenders that can't stop fucking each other. Um, I mean, I think that's a lot of bases covered. As a a gay person, we are now halfway through Pride Month and I am already exhausted and broke. This is stressful. Um, It is stressful. It is. My schedule is, I, I, I can't complain. I am booked. It's nice. People remember that gay comedians exist for like four months of the year, but... Also, I have a, a day job I won't go into that is also very gay, which means that it's like I'm being professionally gay in like multiple capacities for the month of June, um, which is tiring. It is. Yeah. Has Have you had the parade yet up in Toronto? No. So uh, Toronto's Pride is, 
I think it might line up with maybe New York or somewhere else. It's like the penultimate uh, weekend the, in June this year. The 24th, 25th. Yeah, yeah. But like Toronto Pride, so you wouldn't expect it for being sort of like a city in Canada, but it, I think it's one of North America's biggest ones. It's like a million people. Oh, it's I It's five days it. of parties. It is huge. Um, so I am like, my schedule is packed from like Wednesday through Sunday. And then Toronto also has um, every, every year in the summer, because summer is like, three months tops of decent weather. Um, they have a ton of like amazing free outdoor events every weekend. On Pride weekend is the same weekend we have something called Jazz Fest, which starts. And on Sunday, the headliner is Ashanti. What? Bring me back to 2001. <laughs> right? I was trying to figure out, I was like, will an Ashanti gig be like pure chaos or will it kind of be chill because she no. has no fans under 30? Like, But... The people who cause chaos, let, let's be real, at Pride, are definitely not just the 20-year-olds. Like, yeah. there are plenty of, like, 40, 50, 60-year-olds just, like, <laughs> letting loose. <laughs> and it's not part of Pride, but, like, geographically, it's maybe, like, a 15-minute walk. So it's just going to be, like, chaos overspill of, like, gay people who've been taking drugs for five days descending on Ashanti. Um, which I'm looking forward to, but also I think I will need a small vacation immediately afterwards. Um, so yeah, my my schedule is packed. I'm broken already, but but happy. you know what you need? You need one of those. They showed it in Sally and Sunset season six in one of the houses. One of the um, sensory deprivation chambers. Oh. Someone had it in their house. So you like can crawl into it. And I don't know if you float or what exactly, but it literally takes all sense away. And you are supposed to be calm. I feel like it would actually induce a panic attack. Okay. So (laughs) me too, because like, um, my brain is in overdrive at the best of times. And I appreciate like just having a hum of something in the background in a city where I'm like never completely alone with my thoughts. And the closest I've ever been to a sensory deprivation tank was the one I went to Joshua Tree once and then like with my friend and got out the car and I have like tinnitus, but normally like I've had it for years and normally I just don't register it anymore because your brain like tunes it out. But I got out the car in the middle of the desert and it was deafening. And I was like, oh, this is the only time I've ever had, like, pure silence. And I was like, yeah, guess. um, Don't think sensory deprivation tank would work. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, bad, bad idea. Maybe just, um, maybe a boat ride where everyone is wearing pink, throwing champagne and screaming at each other. That might be. I love a good segue. (laughs) She's a pro. She's a pro. (laughs) I am actually really enjoying the season of Orange County. What about you? I okay. Get up. I made. I made extensive notes. Need to get up my iPhone. Um, I'm like cautiously optimistic, but the fact that we had to wait so long does not like fill me with like hope for how good this would be because I think it got delayed and then delayed and then people kept asking like the cars where the trailer is. And I'm like, I don't know. Um, I do feel like Tamara has like clocked in. It's good. She's like, she knows what she's doing. She's a pro. I like the mix of oldies and like one newbie. Um, And 
I feel like we could get something, but honestly, I do think Orange County peaked with Cancergate. Of course, and it I did. Think we, I mean, everyone only, knows that. Everyone knows that, and the only way we could get back there is if someone else had a terrible boyfriend that did something on that level. And I don't, like. I think we've the last few years, the stuff we had from them has just been, there was a while where it was like too dark and like not aspirational and kind of bleak. And especially when it was like the COVID years. And then I think they brought Heather Dubrow back and that was like, oh, we've got a little bit of a sort of razzle dazzle. We got some money again. I'm, I'll watch it, which is more than I could say for some other Bravo shows. And also I didn't watch any of the last season. I I know I did. I did my block <laughs> it did. out. <laughs> you know what? I, I'm actually fine. I don't need as much drama as we've been fed on Jersey and on Vanderpump Rules. Like, yes. it's a little bit of overload. I can use some light sprinkles of drama and just, like, watching these people's lives because in Orange County, their lives are truly, truly different. Uh, it's something it's like a different world it's so bizarre how they talk how they act how they engage with each other it's it's like a very different socially from the east coast and so for me it's like so fascinating but i have a feeling that part of it was delayed because they have the same production company as uh, Vanderpump Rules, CPR, and uh, they had to use a different film crew. They had to use a Beverly Hills film crew to film the last two weeks of Vanderpump Rules. And I'm wondering mm-hmm. if Evolution Media had so much going on with Vanderpump Rules and getting Beverly Hills started up and like trying to wrap up Orange County that they like could not do it all together. Well, so they they started filming this. The, the what we're having we're starting at end of summer yeah so i'm getting i'm guessing like beginning of september was it Late. 2022 or 2021 yes, 2022 for sure okay yeah and then they ended in around i believe around november and we thought we would get like a trailer around like march yeah and we didn't and what happened in March was Scandaval. So I'm, okay. I, that's my theory. I'm sticking to it. I have very little facts to back me up. <laughs> this is a, this is a reality TV speculation podcast. We don't need like facts or sources. Sources are for losers. Um, I have a few like things that jumped out at me. Yes. I do have episode. some questions though. Also, oh, should I stick with my, my first? Okay. I want to know your thoughts on the new housewife, Jen, who I would describe as a yoga instructor who claims she had an only emotional affair with her now boyfriend. She still shares a house with her ex who lives primarily in Oklahoma. She has five children. One of them is adopted. Let it roll. What are your your thoughts? Okay. Um, I I do wonder how we can be like, 17 years into the real housewife industrial complex and people can still come on join the cast of shows and expect that they could somehow control the story of things that they've done for example extramarital affairs like 
you can tell from the very beginning that she's setting up a particular version of events. And you would think that someone would know that with reality TV, that just, that's just not, it's not going to work. Like people find stuff out. They will. Um, so I find that like curious and interesting. Um, honestly, I, I'd be, I'd be intrigued to know your perspective on it. I find her, the storyline she creates around the son she adopted makes me quite uncomfortable. Oh, it made me so uncomfortable. The way I feel like she spoke about him kind of like she was fostering a pet in some, and there was just something with like the language. And I don't know if it's because there was like the way she talked about like just taking a child out of poverty and just taking them into a life of luxury and like it's some sort of amazing benevolent gesture. Um, but we did gloss very quickly over this child's birth parents that are clearly like around. This child is not an orphan. There is a birth mother that exists. It's referenced occasionally, but I'm like, it just something about the way that that is being packaged and also used as a sort of like conversation point with the other women feels a bit weird. It feels very like white savory. Mm, for sure. Um, for sure. And but okay, there's a couple things she said that just one felt like inaccurate and two felt weird. The thing that felt inaccurate is like you'll never know like how much someone needs you until you get these kids and they call you mommy right away. I'm like, yeah. what foster child goes to a stranger and calls them mommy, especially when they have a mommy. Most foster children are not orphans. They are taken out of homes that have been deemed by Child Protective Services or another agency to be unsafe or unfit for children. Um, It sounded like this kid's mom was living in a shelter. So he was going back and forth to the shelter, but like he was under two. And sometimes the birth parent will decide like, I don't think that I can take care of this kid. I don't feel like I have the resources. I don't feel like I'm mentally or physically up for it, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and then you can go through that process. But that was weird. And then we're fostering to teach our kids about mm. that some kids don't have what you have. I'm like, what? Fostering isn't about your biological children. It has nothing to do with them. Mm-hmm. So fostering a child and bringing them into your house to teach your kids a lesson is like all the red flags were waving. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this is a mess. And then when Tamara was like, tell them your story as if like, this is what's yeah. going to connect you to the viewers is what I heard Tamara trying to tee up. I also feel like um, that quote unquote story is something that can, she, I think sees it as something that will make her um, more sympathetic than just the woman who she did on her husband. Like, it's a way of kind of making up for an infidelity story that is very clearly, like, out there. Like, she can't deny that a kind of affair happened. Um, so I think she, it seems like she tries to sort of get ahead of it a bit by talking, pivoting focus to this child she adopted. And, yeah, talking about using a child as a way to illustrate something to your other children, it it just, and I don't know, I don't know anything really about the American adoption system, which obviously I assume varies state by state, but um, it does feel like this is something where people with money are able to use that in some way. 
it's that's the way that it's like appearing from her is it's like we usually the foster care system is not people with money because you do get money from the state to foster foster. children so there's that's kind of complicated it doesn't tend to be something i mean anyone can be not anyone can be a foster parent but you do have to go through some pretty rigorous standards Mm. um and you know the fact that you have a safe home, the fact that your current children like could handle a foster kid coming in. Like there's a lot of things that have to be met. But um it was just an unusual way to frame all of yeah. it as if this is sort of a charity that you're doing rather than opening your home because you have more space physically and emotionally, like in your heart, in your home, opening it up to a kid whose home isn't stable and giving mm-hmm. them a st- stability until it can be determined whether or not they can be reunited with their um, biological parent or whether or not it makes sense sometimes to fully adopt. Um, but most yeah. foster parents, I believe, don't usually fully adopt. I'm not sure. I have to look. It's definitely state by state. Yeah. If people want to learn more about it, I've actually like – there was a while where I somehow my TikTok algorithm wound up on um, people who are formerly, well, adoptees talking about their experience and also talking about the problems with the system and also talking about the ethics, especially of transracial adoption. Um, and I learned a lot, obviously, like I'm an, an adopted child. I haven't adopted any children myself. Kids are not in my life plan. Um, but I think the perception of it as an inherently like positive gesture um is something that was definitely challenged by me hearing from people that talked about it in a different way and have been through that system um and so i think i had that in the back of my head when i was yeah watching these episodes and just i always find that like the way that real housewives do or don't use their children for storylines is kind of interesting and it varies a lot right you have you have people that are trying to yolanda their kids um and turn them into sort of like celebrities in their own right. And then you have people like Teresa who sort of are like dragging their children once they are of adult age, like into storylines and conflicts on their behalf. Um, and then you obviously have the ones that have been through messy divorces that aren't allowed to feature their kids on camera, which happens. It or, happens. There's been like multiple ones. Or kids are featured on camera, but they're just kind of normal. Like Shannon's yeah. kids have been on because she didn't have a partner to film with. And so I think they stepped up to sort of like fill that role. But they to weren't. Yeah. I think they did it for her. But like they were just they're just kids like there's, <laughs> yeah. you know, going to prom, going to school, whatever. And it also I think the season that they were featured the most on was the COVID lockdown season. So they really had nothing else. Like no one had anything else to do. Yeah. It was a that was a unique situation because Heather Dubrow talks about her kids, but they don't they're not featured as much as she just no. talks about them a lot. But I'm very interested to see how she manages this season um, because she has a kid who's a transgender boy, um, yeah. and to see how that plays out if if she discusses it if they discuss it. Well, I know she's like, she's obviously discussed it on, on podcasts and things. And I would be very curious to see, curious to see how those types of conversations land with an almost entirely Republican cast. It's, it's not even 
I don't know that the cast is entirely. I don't know how political the cast is. I um I know Tamra and Gina and Heather Debro are more left. They're all Democrat. Yeah. Yeah. More like I don't know that they like to define themselves of certain ways, but they tend to be, you know, a little bit farther left and the others are a little bit farther right. But um just knowing that the like child transgender issue has been um decided by some um ideological right to be the culture war issue of yeah. the next two years, it was like a very blatant decision that was made. And the reason that we're hearing about it all the time isn't because there's more trans kids. It's because it was nope. decided by some funders. Hey, we'll put some money into this. We'll get people really riled up. We'll get a bunch of stories, you know, and then people who are rightly concerned about their own kids, then they get kind of swept up in it, not realizing they're just pawns in this like bigger scheme to focus on something that's not really a thing rather than Mm -hmm. the economy and inflation and all the other problems that we have going on i mean so um, we're pivoting away from housewives but it's probably (laughs) Um, i I tend to do that a lot obviously i'm in an interesting position because i'm i'm from the uk and now i live in north america i live in canada um obviously close proximity to the u.s we are very much aware of everything that is happening down there i go down occasionally i visit friends um the way the thing the phenomenon that you talk about where people take an issue for example transgender children and then decide that that will be the hot button smokescreen issue if you will so like distract from like economic problems um it's been particularly terrifying to see how that has happened in the uk actually leading america which is usually it's the other way around but the uk has just like really led when it comes to um, putting a very, very small community and then a very tiny subset of of trans people um, as the main political issue to distract from the economic failures of Brexit, of inflation, of governments that have been failing for 10 plus years. Um, And it makes me it makes me particularly furious seeing how transparent that sort of the media process is. I've seen, um, I won't even mention his name because it will give him clicks, but there's a well-known like guy whose basically job is full-time commentator about trans stuff. And he appears as like an expert, but he's not, he's just like some guy with a beard. Um, He and other people have tweeted. I saw them tweet about how they would pick a particular term they would make it toxic by just repeating it over and over and over again and you've seen it happen with the with the trans kid quote unquote issue but you've also seen it happen with the word groomer and they tweeted about how they were going to do that and then showed the spike in google searches for the word groomer and it's basically you just take a word you keep hammering away at it and then enough people pick it up the meaning changes a bit it goes from someone that's like sexually abusing children just to like a thing that you don't really like that's in the proximity of a kid. Um, And it makes me mad. And I'm sure that like, um, I'm sure you have lots of listeners that have personal experience of this. Um, I'm sure you also have lots that maybe like are liberal and progressive and sympathetic, but maybe aren't part of the community. And I think it's just worth kind of emphasizing how, um, genuinely scary it is right now this is the first time i've ever been worried about going to pride because of what 
could potentially happen because people have been galvanized um, into being violent um, and into targeting particular parts of my community, but also the community as a whole. I know. And it's like, I mean, it's a serious pivot for a lighthearted reality TV podcast. But no. I think like if you're... I'm so glad yeah, you said that. I'm so glad you it, said that because, you know, we were talking about pride at the beginning of this and I was almost wanted to be like, you know, now has been a, a tough time for the LGBTQ community, not just in North America. I mean, all over the world, there is, um, it's a lot easier to scapegoat a community yep. that is small, that is sometimes, you know, people are, don't know members of it, right? You know, mm-hmm. like, it was easy to scapegoat the Jews in Europe. And it just worries me when you try and, like, make everyone think that, like, this group of people is dangerous, right? Or when is responsible really, for, like, for anything, the problems. For problems, yeah. right? It was like, it, and... If you, when re, in reality, they're actually the group that's most in danger. That's that's what's so messed yeah. up about it, and it makes me sad and it makes me scared. Mm. And I hope I know I've gotten a lot of negative responses from viewers who don't like that I talk about politics. But hey, you know what? Is this real life? <laughs> it relates. <laughs> it do, it, it does. relates we what's have- going on into the world around us. What on these shows? Heather Dubrow has a transgender child. She's talking about it. We're talking about it. It's impacting the world around us. Is is talking about it. So like, if you don't like it, just I don't know. Don't listen. And I think especially <laughs> the people, the people that like are sort of fans of like the Bravo cinematic universe. Um, I think it's especially important if you are not part of that particular community to be, I don't know, like, like Bravo has a diverse viewership, but it's also like a network that is beloved by many queer people. The like figurehead of it is a gay guy. Like it's a thing that a lot of people that are in this sort of like fan universe are living through and can't really switch off from, um, and it's 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 quite a privileged position to be able to say I don't want to have to talk about it, um, but unfortunately, like if you're a trans person and you are going outside, you are at a higher risk of of experiencing hate and violence from people. And if you're going to a pride parade, at the very least, there's a bit of anxiety about like something happening. Um, and yeah, reality TV, like pop culture stuff, as much as sometimes we would love it to, it doesn't happen in a bubble. Nothing um, happens in a bubble. No, and we we see we see it feed in, and that's kind of like I do love sometimes when you're seeing how like how events in the real world are filtered through this like weird fucked up entertainment prism because like eventually everything like trickles through, and and obviously sometimes we do want an escape from that, and then it's like fun to watch people throw wine at each other at charity events for like no real reason. That's great, but also like it's. There is a real part of reality TV, and unfortunately, sometimes it's it's things that can be I don't know scary for some people. But yeah, yeah. that's 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 the end of my <laughs> political uh, call to action. Um, but yeah, no, Happy thank Friday, you everyone. so much for for sharing. Um, I have a couple more questions. Going to do a little bit oh, of a hard pivot. Were mm-hmm. you? I'm going to do some like quick rapid fire. Were you shocked at how little fanfare Taylor Armstrong had walking into the scene? Yes. I mean, I was mostly shocked uh, for 
for anyone that hadn't watched this episode of Orange County, the length of the walkway <laughs> these women had to walk, it was like they're walking out halfway into the ocean. It was so long. They had to put cameras on dr- literal drones. They are overhead drone shots of these women in bright pink suits just like walking along out to like a sort of mid-sized boat. Um, yeah, not much fanfare, just appeared. And I was like, okay, Taylor Armstrong's here. Cool. I thought there would be like a little bit of a mixing of like the Beverly Hills theme song with Orange County as she was like walking and nothing. Um, okay, Tamara and Shannon's argument. Do you feel, Tamara feels that Shannon is a taker. She takes, but she doesn't give much. And Shannon feels that Tamara just runs her mouth and says really terrible things like, that Shannon is a drunk to every media outlet that will listen. If you had to choose a side and on is this real life, we're not big on teams. We really aren't. Whose team would you be on? Well, first of all, I would say if there's anything that like five years of therapy has taught me, it's that multiple things can be true at once. Yes. <laughs> that's you know what, that's probably what this this podcast should be called. <laughs> Two things can be true. That's yeah. Like they can they can both be bad at things, whether that is talking shit to podcasts or paying attention to what other people are saying in conversations. Um, I mean, when we have fights like this, where no one is completely in the right, that does actually make for quite the most compelling television sometimes where week for week, week by week, your allegiance will shift between people. For example, Teresa and Melissa, I just, I am very tired of it. I do want it to end. But at the same time, there is no, like, easy, there's no, like, easy side to pick with that. They're both awful. They're awful in different ways. And every week it's like, oh, no, that one's doing something worse. Then it's the other one. Then it's the other one. That's what keeps us coming back. It does. Oh, my gosh. I, yeah, it, it was just very interesting. And then I couldn't help but laugh when she was like, and you called me a drunk. And then <laughs> Shannon's like, well, I mean, you know, David, you said David asked you to stop drinking and I told you you should stop drinking. And then <laughs> the moment the waiter comes over and Shannon orders a Belvedere soda <laughs> in the middle of the conversation. Oh. I'm like, uh, I didn't like at the end of the episode when Tamara was drunk and screaming that Shannon was a drunk and that she's an alcoholic and like those type of terms. Eh, it's it's hard to call someone that if they don't identify that way, right? Like, yeah. you ha- y- y- none of us are I mean, qualified I to... I, I'm not necessarily sure I 100% agree with the sort of, like, someone has to identify themselves as an alcoholic to be one, but I do think... I do think that housewives as a whole, they love um, particular insults and things to throw at people... It's your husband is gay, you don't own your home, your bags are fake, you're an alcoholic. Like it's just it's it's one of the things people throw at each other. And do some of these women probably meet the threshold for problematic drinking? Absolutely. But also, I mean it is a like it is a show where they are plied with alcohol constantly. And as a side note, I would say I, so I, I very rarely drink at special occasions. Um, but even when I like drank a lot, I'm British from England. Um, the number of shots that I see middle-aged women taking <laughs> on these, 
don't know anyone who goes out for dinner and is like, you know what, shots, and then like just constant <laughs> shots. I, they're always doing shots, and then like, I mean, who's uh, Shannon's tagline? The, I think we've now had at least three taglines in the Housewives universe that have been puns of taking shots and doing shots of tequila. Bethany had it for sure. There's another one that was made. Oh, I can't remember who, but. Yeah, I feel like we're like scraping the barrel when it comes to taglines with that one. It is. You're right. It's And as you get older, it becomes harder to metabolize alcohol. So like we've got Shannon, who is, I think, near 60 years old, right? Like yeah. in her upper 50s. I don't know. Like it's I can't do it. I can't do shots of tequila and not end up in the hospital. <laughs> You know, like I, it, it's, it's wild. It's the volume. It's the volume and like the circumstance of like going out for like a really nice sushi dinner. And then be like, you know what? Let's just like do a round of tequila before the, like the salmon comes out. Like what is, <laughs> yeah. Um, what else? Uh, Eddie said the oh. best thing about Shannon and David was David. That shocked me. I didn't realize that he was friendly with David they do those weird races together. Spartan races. Oh, Dan. They do weird fitness stuff still. Interesting. And, you know, David is in the middle of a very, very messy second divorce. I saw. Well, I mean, like, I saw the, the, the pregnancy announcement that might have been a naked pregnancy announcement. Was that like a photo? I think there's photos where they're both naked. There's that one where they're both in the woods naked, and I don't yes. think that was an announcement for anything. Oh, that was just them being naked in the woods. I Jesus think Christ. so. Ooh. And then, so then she definitely had a kid. Yes, who's two. And they're and fighting for custody, and they Ooh. both have taken, asked for restraining orders against each other. <clears throat> yeah, it got really dark after Shannon was at The Quiet Woman. I think she was at the quiet woman. She saw saw David and David came up to Shannon and said, I'm not leaving till you take a picture with me. It'll make our kids so happy. It did make the kids really happy. They couldn't believe that the parents were speaking to one another, but it also made Leslie, the woman who he is in the process of divorcing, very, very angry. It agitated her. It put, you know, more fuel on the fire and the divorce got messier. Because they had like both filed and then unfiled and then refiled. It was, it's an absolute shit show. Wow. On the, sh- on the Shannon note, um, did you clock the painting in her gym? I did not. I encourage all your listeners to go <laughs> back, watch the montage, like when they had sort of the sad working out montage of all of them just like on spin bikes in separate places and like, Tamara at Cut Fitness, RIP. Um, Shannon's like on a spin bike and then doing some kettlebells in her home gym in front of, I kid you not, like a, a Shannon-sized giant painting of her face. Oh, like sort of a Sheena Shea style. Yeah, yeah. but like... <laughs> but like bigger. <laughs> bigger and like commissioned as a, like a painting. Not just like she printed, like Sheena loves a good photo printed on a canvas. This is like a stylized giant face that had been like commissioned and painted by somebody just of Shannon in this like weird sort of black painted gym room. 
Um, I also got a flashback when we were doing the sort of like uh, cut RIP montage of um, Shannon's weird Christian personal trainer that would show up with just like bags of boiled eggs. Yes. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. I. we've been through some rough fitness moments on Orange County. I really didn't like when... Tamara was doing the fitness competition. I didn't like when Teresa was doing it. It's like promoting. I love mm. when people push themselves, but it was promoting like disordered eating. Like I'm only going to eat this like piece of broccoli, this like steamed chicken. And oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. Like once you get to a certain age, it's like, what are you talking about having a body fat percentage of like 8%? Like that's insane. As a woman, you have to have like a certain amount just to get your period. Like anyways, Uh, (laughs) enough of that um i didn't miss gina this episode i felt bad she had covid though um (laughs) the shots of her like her filming scenes from inside her covid prison which (laughs) looking looking rough poor girl i mean like covid sucks it's bad i do wonder if um they have if their pay if their pay grade is like per episode or per scene I would not be surprised if she was like, fuck it, I have COVID, but got to make the money somehow. So she's just like yelling her lines from like inside her little French window. Um, that was very sad. But it I was sad. She looks better than I've ever looked with COVID. I've had it twice and I look terrible each time. I think I am. I'm one of those people that has like an official number and an unofficial number. Uh. That makes sense. <laughs> Officially, I'm at two. Unofficially, we might be at like four or five. Yeah, it's a it's a beast. Um, okay, are you ready to hop on over to Jersey for a little bit? Yes. Okay. Yes. Let's so do it. Let's wrap the season up in a bow, which it's almost impossible to because. And by bow, I mean Bo Deedle. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Let's <laughs> play. We like uh, it. So okay, I have a couple things. This whole who put Teresa in prison thing, how is this a thing? Like, how is this? If you go to prison, it's because you messed up, right? You did. And in Teresa's case, her husband also led her astray. But at the end of the day, this whole, like, who talked to the feds? Who did this? Who Like, what? why does it matter? It's not like there's this phone, right? And people in the FBI are just sitting around waiting to get a phone call for some random person on reality TV to be like, you know what? I think my co-star is engaging in mortgage fraud. I also, so I feel like there isn't, in the arguments for why prison server purpose i don't think they should exist personally Uh, (laughs) okay i love that we're getting into prison abolition (laughs) (laughs) and them all ban cops anyway um so i guess one of the arguments for prison is that it just teaches you to i don't know reflect on what you did and by the time you come out you're a changed person or you've like accepted responsibility for your crimes um i think this proves that it didn't work for her So true. How many years now? Like every year, it's a different person that could have like sent you away. I also we we still I think can't say the words prison. It's just away, which I enjoy the sort of like old school aspects to this where we have to talk about prison in euphemisms. Um, but yeah, just she is she is an enigma to me on many levels. I do love having her on a screen because of that, and because I think. 
I think she just does even sometimes genuinely believe the crazy things that she says. Oh, I think she very much does. And those are the ones that I'm like, wait, what? Wait, what? Yeah. Do you, you believe your own shit? And it's not like she's lying all the time. She's saying what she thinks is the truth. And and for whatever reason, she is always willing to blame anyone except for the person she's married to. She will blame anyone over Joe Judice. She's not even with him anymore. And she won't it's 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 crazy. Um and this whole like Joe Gorga being contacted by the FBI and Frank Catania asking if he could do away with lawyer client privilege for the purpose of the reunion to say this like anecdote is insane. Like can you okay, I missed that particular. <laughs> can you fill me in? Yes, like- okay. So uh, Frank Catania was going to yeah. share what was going on. It turns out Joe Gorga was contacted by the FBI. At that time, Frank Catania was Joe Gorga's attorney. Frank wanted to tell Frank's Andy, a, a disbarred lawyer. Okay. <laughs> they all have. I like that my memory. They've, <laughs> they've all done really terrible things. Okay? <laughs> he literally lost his ability to practice the law. But back at that time, he was practicing law, and that was his client. And so he looks at Joe Gorga and is like, is it okay if we, like, like attorney-client privilege? Can we, like, waive that for this? And Joe's like, yeah, say what you want to say. And he goes, Joe Gorga was contacted by the FBI to about Joe Judice. And Joe Gorga never showed up at that meeting to have a conversation and share anything. And I'm like, okay, then it must have not been that important of a meeting because if it was, the, they come knocking. So it's just like this whole thing is just so dumb, and it just pisses me off that we're still talking about it because this isn't the conversation that needs to be had. Now, the conversation that needs to be had, which was had, which is what the hell is going on with Louis? There's so many like multiple shady things. There's the shady business dealings, but to be fair, they're all involved in shady yeah. business dealings. Then there's Frankie Jr. was working for him, and then all of a sudden one day the, the company was gone, and Dolores was refusing to let anyone talk about that situation under the guise of don't talk about my son, please. Mm. She was trying to protect Louis and Teresa. Then we've got apparently Louis hired Bo Deedle, who is a former NYPD investigator. He now works as a private investigator. And then Louis said that he misspoke out of anger and he never actually hired Bo. Okay, well, if that's true, then why did all these other things happen, including someone who worked for Bo Deedle went through the prison system to contact John Fuda's ex? About in prison. prison. And when you contact someone who she's in a sober living facility, but is still considered a prisoner. Yeah. Wherever she is. And the fact that they found her, you have to like go through steps to make contact with a someone who's in prison to have communication. So John Fuda had this folder that he was ready to show everyone to prove that like, Louis's people, Louis hired people to contact his ex-wife. And we didn't ever see inside the folder? No. <sighs> it's so frustrating because none of the... And then Teresa has like 
she'll be like, I want facts. I want facts. Well, that's a fact. Then Marge actually did open her folder, yeah. which showed that it went to Louis's phone number. But and they were like, oh, it's the it's that scam. That, whatever that scam is. It, all of it's just very very shady that and then oh the craziest part was Andy's like we're I'm hearing from people that there's a security guard downstairs that's trying to make his way up and he says he's with Bo Deedle like what is going on (laughs) also what is going on that like I would understand if someone was hiring a private investigator if they were like running for office or if they were like doing large scale, like multi-million dollar shady illegal business things. This is reality television. You do not need to hire a PI. The stakes are not that high. It's just people like yelling at each other on Bravo. It's it's mind boggling to me. I also, I find it the whole sort of like the way the story web has like landed at the very end of the season. It's frustrating for me thinking about thinking about things from a production standpoint because i'm like there is no logistical way for them to move forward with this in the sense of having a satisfying tv show that functionally works like we all know that sort of in order for like housewives as a show or like any ensemble reality show to work it's it will have a giant conflict at the end and then at the start of the next season they'll get together and just be like let's agree to move forward and then they'll do it but like it seems that this is so extreme. You're going to have people that refuse to be in the same room as each other. And I have the same, I have the same kind of worry about Vanderpump rules where I'm like, I don't know how they'll do it. Vanderpump was interesting hearing producers talk about that specific problem because they were basically like, these cast members know that they need the show. And so none of them will ever give an ultimatum because they know they just can't do that. With Housewives, you have people that are, like, generally richer and so, like, might not actually need the show and so have a bit more bargaining power. Um, But I do think we are now at a position with, like, two franchises where it's, like, great, you built to an incredibly explosive reunion and confrontation and you now have people that have said verbatim, I am done with you, I will never speak to you again. Which is, it's kind of like if you're doing like an improv scene, right? You're supposed to say yes and. Like the the worst thing you can do is shut something down. And like creating a reality TV storyline or storylines is kind of the same. You have to have something where people are willing to like interact. I see a future for Vanderpump Rules. I can't see it for, okay, so this is what I think they're going to do. It's going to be around Tom Schwartz trying to find his way back into the group. And I think they're going to bring Jackson Brittany to film with him. Yep. Um, we'll see like who else around they bring to film with him. But I think he'll do a lot of one-on-ones. Um, I think he'll say Sandoval screwed me. I'm trying to be my mm-hmm. own person. I'm doing running this bar by myself. And they'll find a way to get him more in the good graces with the majority yeah. of the group, with the exception of probably Katie and Ariana. I feel like he's already saying that now, right? It's like I'm taking he's a starting permanent. it. I, I think he's got a ways to go to like get through everyone but i bet they'll yeah. bring in jackson britney as friends to film with him um i mean they did say on like the producers on the record were like we are 
negotiating to bring some people back. So I do feel like it's it's in the interest in terms of a storyline to have like Jack's return because he's like, see, I was right. Told you. I think there's still a lot there with Katie versus Sheena. I think the animosity they have for each other didn't fully go away just because of Scandal. I think they put it on ice to support Ariana. They have legitimate beef with each other. That will be interesting to watch. And it'll be interesting to see someone like a Kristen come back who is friends with both of them. She's in business with Katie with their wine. She's probably closer friends with Sheena in terms of like actual friendship. And seeing like that, I don't the and then with Raquel, if she does come back, she's going to play the whole like I was coerced. I'm a I was brainwashed. I he made me believe all of these things that turned out not to be true. I was bamboozled. I was hoodwinked, whatever she's going to say. And I think, you know, maybe she comes forward and says that she her mental health really suffered, that she wasn't sure if she was going to make it. And then you get, you know, someone like a Lala to say, like, all right, like, I'll film with her. Like, no one should be put in that position, you know, or Sheena or not Sheena, because she really well, hurt Sheena. We did, we did see. So i like, I noticed sort of people's response to the, to the final episode was a bit like, OK, this is getting to be a bit of like a ganging up situation. I think especially given the sort of the final interview that she gave where she like spilled the extra parts and then we had a a tmz guy speaking to lala where she was like we're starting to like feel bad for her or at least like we're starting to question like what's actually going on with her and if she's going to be okay um i think they probably all understand that there's like that they collectively to keep the buzz going need to yeah, make something. They need work. to. Lala knows it. She's real smart. Katie knows it. I think they'll find a way. The one person that I just don't know how it will be Sandoval, and they'll have yeah. to. I think it'll be tension between Sandoval and Schwartz, and them sitting down together, and that being. But I don't know who else Sandoval will film with. But I do think as a collective. I'm, and I'm hoping they have more of the friends of, like the real friends of, the people like mm-hmm. Logan and Brad and Janet. Like I hope those people are around because that's who everyone's actually talking to. But those people have yeah. their own jobs. And let's let's get a mic on Ariana's gay friends. Like they are the yeah. sort of peripheral background characters that somehow like we're all we're talking about without really knowing also they seem fun one of them smashed the penis flute or oh, that's sculpture or Logan. It was. no they're really nice but i think had they ever wanted to be on the show they could have potentially yeah. i think this was not really their thing you know they're they're fine being adjacent where do you see going back to new jersey where do you see that moving forward so this is never going to happen, but I would love if we would get a season off from Teresa and Melissa and maybe have them be friends of where they're mm-hmm. not like leading. And we let Jan, Jen Aiden form relationships with people um, because Margaret says she's open. Jen says she's open. And like, let's actually see this unlikely pairing between but the thing is the problem as long as Therese is there she won't let Jen Aiden have other friends she won't she controls all of that and I would rather see more of like Danielle being like I was bamboozled I was hoodwinked you know like that whole thing I wait well uh, Staub no Danielle um Cabrel the one the blonde one 
who's married to Nate. So I, I would just rather like maybe take the focus off of Melissa and Teresa just, just a little bit because there is something there with the cast when they're, Mm -hmm. when Teresa and Melissa are not the main focus. And I think if we wanted to keep, keep some sort of like, um, continuity or like central people to build it around i think bringing back one of the ogs alongside uh jennifer and margaret i think would be a nice way to sort of like maintain the connection with if we're going to demote melissa and Teresa, which obviously will not happen but like if we're going to demote Okay, we bring back Jacqueline because Jacqueline is supposedly now like friends with Teresa again, even though she was yeah, like, it's- bring back Jacqueline, have Dolores there, bring Jackie back as a ma- like, like, let's have all the friends and all the friends of and, but uh, I'm just so tired of it being. It's exhausting. And, it's and been it's 10 a- years. We've been, been doing 10 this years. for 10 the, years. My question is, if Teresa was gone, would Melissa have anything to say? No. So then let's have both of them just be gone for a little bit. Or could we have a cast trip without them? Like, let's see, you know, how they do without these two, like, suckers of energy. I I think the problem that we have here is that familial relationships are just a different type of relationship from friends or, like, frenemies. There's Because there's sort of a bond that, like, or a relationship that, cannot be broken short of her divorcing joe it's like they will always have to have some degree of relationship with each other whether that relationship is they don't like each other they will still always be sister-in-laws etc um it just makes it it's just different and i think you run into these types of problems where like the 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 conflicts are so intense and are about deep-seated family issues that it's just a different type of conflict than say people that are yeah, getting in fights at charity events or like accusing each other of cheating on that, like those types of storylines and conflicts you can kind of manage more easily. Whereas this, it's like, it's never going to go away because while they are still in a family relationship with each other, they will always be like either fighting or simmering about to fight. Um, And I think that's just part of what made the show really captivating at the beginning was that it was Real Housewives, but with like family relationships in it, like multiple ones. And I think that's now it's downfall because like when those go south, you just get stuck in an infinite loop that they can't really get out of with like writing storylines for different seasons. It's and it's sad. It's sad to watch. I very. It's like because who these people are, they're so like dead set on being the person who's right that they care more about getting their point across than they do about fixing the problem. Mm -hmm. But I argue that the problem was there long before Melissa. If it took, all it took was him getting married to have the friendship between a brother and sister go south, I'm sorry, then there wasn't that much of a friendship and relationship to begin with. It wasn't on solid ground. Now, I know you have to get going, but I yeah. also want to hear just a little bit about your album. Uh, so if you oh, would plug yeah. your album, where people can find you, where they can see you, if there, I have got a number yes. of Canadian listeners where they can see you, do comedy, 
all the okay, things. Okay, hi, hi, Canadian listeners. Uh, okay, so you can find me on TikTok and Instagram at Dan James Comedy. It's pretty easy to spell. That's why I have a stage name. Uh, and yeah, last week I released my debut album. It is 25 minutes of stand-up. It's called Iron Lisp. You can stream it on everything. So just search Dan James Iron Lisp. Um, yeah, DM me, tag me, tell me what you think. I'd love to hear from you guys. Oh, thank you so much for being on. And we'll definitely have to have you back again. Love doing these deep dives with you. For sure. Thank you so much. Bye.